Born on a mountaintop in Tennessee Green estate in the land of the free Raised in the woods so he knew every tree Killed him a bar when he was only three Davy, Davy Crockett What'd you do to the computer, anyway? Well, nothing. I just tried to put in that part, and I got this terrific shock. When he got that big, giant shock, he was not only able to remember and think like a computer, all the information that was in the computer was sapped into him, and he didn't even know it. Everywhere you go, you hear the same question. Is Dexter Riley for real? The square root of that product would be 102978 decimal point 1499. This is our third question in mathematics. I hope you're aware that I'm perfectly equipped to go into other fields. Of course. I mean, all of a sudden, like he's the smartest guy in the whole world and everybody's catering to him. I think I found a spot for you in my organization. Mr. Arnold's not my boss. We gotta put that kid on ice. We better get out of here. He's been kidnapped. We gotta realize that this could be dangerous. <laughs> hey, get me out of here! Now, what have you done with that boy? You've done something with him, and I'm gonna see you in jail for it. Look out! Well, that's the last time I'll do that. Welcome, welcome, what, 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 welcome. To a computerific episode of Be Kind Rewind. This is your Disney Plus movie podcast. I've already got Kyra laughing, so it's going to be a very good episode. I, of course, am Dan Teets, and as I've already introduced her... Kyra Hawkins. So when you started saying what, 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 I was like, (laughs) what is he doing? And then... And I got the joke, and that's when I started to laugh. <laughs> yes. So, for those of you who did your homework last week, you know why we are both cracking up already. We are watching, or, yeah, we're watching. I wish we would do a watch-along, but that would be a little too crazy, because I'd probably pick a three-hour movie and not realize it until we get started. That would be fun. I actually thought about that today. Like, it would be kind of cool if we could just have the movie on in the background somehow while we're talking about it, I would never forget what I wanted to say that way. And some of the co-hosts that has been on here have actually done that for the shorter episodes, and those end up going longer than the actual um, show that we are talking about. But those are fun. Those Those are great times. This one is going to be a fun and rememberable... Rememberable? Memorable movie. It is the final movie from the 60s. It was The Computer Wore Tennis Shoes, released November the 28th, 1969. Only did $5.5 million in the box office, which is surprising, which translates to $43.1 million. Oh, that's not very much. I mean, no. that's still a lot of money, but like... Yeah. As far as box office numbers. Yeah, especially compared to, let me see, um, last week's movie where it had a $400 million comparative movie. I was really shocked when I actually saw that. But um, 
I had seen bits and pieces of this movie, knew enough about it to let Kara know she was going to enjoy it. And I'm thinking she liked it from the way that she's already smiling. Yeah. I thought it was fun. Like, I know I said this about the last movie, but, like, I went in not really knowing anything about it. I had never heard of it until you assigned it. Um, Of course, I knew who Kurt Russell was, but I didn't know that he got his start in Disney. So, um, yeah, I went in not knowing much, and I was... um, Surprised and delighted. Yeah, which the fact that we had a Kurt Russell in this movie, let me see, this was a 1969 movie. He was 17 years old, had just turned 18 when this movie actually started, or when this movie actually premiered. And this was his first year in a 10-year contract with Walt Disney, and he became the studio's top star of the 70s, which... As you will see as we start into the 70s, you'll see why he was their their top star. It was between him and I think Dean Jones was actually finishing out his run with Disney movies. But Kyra's impact on Kurt Russell and mine are from two totally different sides of the Pantheon. I think she said, isn't that Santa Claus? Yeah, he played Santa Claus in um, the Christmas Chronicles and its sequel on Netflix. Um, Like... I I have known who Kurt Russell is and like I know he's done westerns and he was just like inducted into the Oklahoma Western Heritage Museum. I, they used to call it the National Cowboy Museum. I don't hmm. know what it's officially called now and I should. I'm sorry if you're from Oklahoma and you're like yelling at whatever device you're listening to this on. <laughs> but like so like I know who Kurt Russell is. I have not seen many of his movies. But I have seen the Christmas Chronicles about a hundred times. Well, especially if they were um, westerns, probably because you would have fallen asleep during them, since we've discussed that as well. Yeah, even if I tried to watch, I probably didn't stay awake. But um, I have been told by a couple different people that I have to watch Tombstone. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, so just to give you all a bit of background, Backstory on me. I know Kurt Russell from Tombstone. Um, one of the first Kurt Russell movies that I ever saw was Escape from L.A., which is a horrible sequel to Escape from New York. I think it was about me and four other people in the movie theater when it was playing at the Dollar Theater in Lynchburg. But I loved it. Um, of course, he was in The Thing, which I actually just rewatched last October at the little pub that we've got down about a mile from now. And there, I mean, the longer I actually look at his line of movies that he's done, he's, he's an American treasure right now. That's, Mm -hmm. that's all I'm going to say. But we are getting him in the very, very early Kurt Russell version of this with the 1969 computer war tennis shoes. All right. So, the synopsis which comes to us care of Wikipedia goes a little something like this. Dexter Riley and his friends attend small private Medford College, which cannot afford to buy a computer. The students persuade wealthy businessman A.J. Arno to donate an old computer to the college. Arno is secretly the head of a large illegal gambling ring, which used the computer for its operations. While installing a replacement computer part during a thunderstorm, Riley receives an electric shock and becomes a human computer. He now has superhuman mathematical talent, can read and remember the contents of an encyclopedia volume in a few minutes, and can speak a language fluently after reading one text. His new abilities make him a worldwide celebrity and Medford's best chance to win a televised quiz tournament with a $100,000 prize. Riley single-handedly leads Medford's team in victories against other challenges. During the tournament, on live television, a trigger word, Applejack, causes him to unknowingly recite details of Arno's gambling rings. Arno's henchmen kidnap Riley and plan to kill him, but his friends help him escape by locating the house in which he was being kept, posing as house painters to gain access, and sneaking him out in a large trunk. During the escape, he suffers a concussion, which, during the tournament rival against Springfield State rival to Medford College, gradually returns his mental abilities to normal. However, one of his friends, Skylar, 
is able to answer the final question, which is, a small Midwest city is located exactly on an area designated as the geographic center of the United States. For 10 points and $100,000, can you tell us the name of the city? With the answer being Lebanon, Kansas. As a result, Medford wins the $100,000 prize. Arno and his henchmen are arrested when they attempt to escape the TV studio and crash head-on into a police car. The end. Welcome, welcome, what, 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 welcome to a computerific episode of Be Kind Rewind. This is your Disney Plus movie podcast. I've already got Kyra laughing, so it's going to be a very good episode. I, of course, am Dan Teets, and as I've already introduced her, Kyra Hawkins. So when you started saying what, 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 I was like, <laughs> what is he doing? And then... And I got the joke, and that's when I started to laugh. <laughs> yes. So, for those of you who did your homework last week, you know why we are both cracking up already. We are watching, or, yeah, we're watching. I wish we would do a watch-along, but that would be a little too crazy, because I'd probably pick a three-hour movie and not realize it until we get started. That would be fun. I actually thought about that today. Like, it would be kind of cool if we could just have the movie on in the background somehow while we're talking about it, I would never forget what I wanted to say that way. And some of the co-hosts that has been on here have actually done that for the shorter episodes, and those end up going longer than the actual um, show that we are talking about. But those are fun. Those Those are great times. This one is going to be a fun and rememberable... Rememberable? Memorable movie. It is the final movie from the 60s. It was The Computer Wore Tennis Shoes, released November the 28th, 1969. Only did $5.5 million in the box office, which is surprising, which translates to $43.1 million. Oh, that's not very much. I mean, no. that's still a lot of money, but like... Yeah. As far as box office numbers. Yeah, especially compared to, let me see, um, last week's movie where it had a $400 million comparative movie. I was really shocked when I actually saw that. But um, I had seen bits and pieces of this movie, knew enough about it to let Kara know she was going to enjoy it. And I'm thinking she liked it from the way that she's already smiling. Yeah. I thought it was fun. Like, I know I said this about the last movie, but like, I went in not really knowing anything about it. I had never heard of it until you assigned it. Um, of course, I knew who Kurt Russell was, but I didn't know that he got his start in Disney. So, um, yeah, I went in not knowing much, and I was um, surprised and delighted. Yeah, which. The fact that we had a Kurt Russell in this movie, let me see, this was a 1969 movie. He was 17 years old, had just turned 18 when this movie actually started, or when this movie actually premiered. And this was his first year in a 10-year contract with Walt Disney, and he became the studio's top star of the 70s, which, as you will see as we start into the 70s, you'll see why he was their their top star. It was between him... And I think Dean Jones was actually finishing out his run with Disney movies. But Kyra's impact on Kurt Russell and mine are from two totally different sides of the Pantheon. I think she said, isn't that Santa Claus? Yeah, he played Santa Claus in um, the Christmas Chronicles and its sequel on Netflix. Um, like, I... I have known who Kurt Russell is and like, I know he's done Westerns and he was just like inducted into the Oklahoma Western heritage museum. I, they used to call it the national cowboy museum. I don't hmm. know what it's officially called now. And I should, I'm sorry if you're from Oklahoma and you're like yelling at whatever device you're listening to this. <laughs> but like, so like I know who Kurt Russell is. I have not seen many of his movies but I have seen the Christmas Chronicles about a hundred times. Well, especially if they were um, Westerns, probably because you would have fallen asleep during them, since we've right. discussed that as well. Yeah, even if I tried to watch, I probably didn't stay awake. But, um, 
I have been told by a couple different people that I have to watch Tombstone. Oh, my gosh. So. Yeah, so just to give you all a bit of back backstory on me, I know Kurt Russell from Tombstone. Um, one of the first Kurt Russell movies that I ever saw was Escape from L.A., which is a horrible sequel to Escape from New York. I think it was about me and four other people in the movie theater when it was playing at the Dollar Theater in Lynchburg. But I loved it. Um, of course, he was in The Thing, which I actually just rewatched last October at the little pub that we've got down about a mile from now. And there, I mean, the longer I actually look at his line of movies that he's done, he's he's an American treasure right now. That's, mm-hmm. that's all I'm going to say. And we, but... We are getting him in the very, very early Kurt Russell version of this with the 1969 Computer War Tennis Shoes. Now, this was actually the second movie that is on Disney Plus that actually was set in Medford, at Medford College. The first one was Flubber. Oh, I was or, like... I'm sorry, The Absent-Minded Professor, not... The Robin Williams remake in ninety, and of course there were several other movies that were set in Medford that are not actually on Disney Plus. I don't understand why. I think they're probably good movies, like Son of Flubber, and there will be several others as we actually get into the seventies that are actually set at this small private college that somehow always finds a way to make money. Is it like a fictional? Yes, this well, is this is a fictional college. So they should, like, probably give it its own little tab, like on Disney Plus, where there's like Star Wars and Marvel yeah. and whatever. They need a Medford tab. You you would think that they would. Medford Medfield Medfield. Medfield. We'll probably be mis misremembering it all during the the um recap of this of this movie. So. This is the late 60s. We just put a man on the moon, allegedly. Don't shoot me. I'm one of those people. (laughs) And the whole movie is centered around computer technology. So right off the bat, like they're talking about, should we buy a computer or not or whatever? They're like this college budget meeting. I was just, I don't think I'd realized it was a private school. But my first note is like, okay, five minutes in, we realize like schools are still underfunded. Like they've never had the, mm-hmm. the amount of money that they should and and not modernized enough. Like they're, they've been behind since the beginning, apparently. And of course, the computer being a small private college can't afford the computer. So instead, I don't even remember what they devoted the money to. But Kurt Russell's character, whose name is Dexter Riley, says, well, I know this guy that actually has a computer, and maybe he will let us have the computer. And the guy is being played by Cesar Romero, a.k.a. the Joker from the Batman TV show, which actually makes, I think, three Batman villains that have been in Disney films now. So all we need is Julie Newmar to show up, and we've got the complete run of the first season of Batman. Does she show up? No. At some point? Not, not that, not that I'm aware of. Of course, we're we're probably going to have our Disney files writing us or screaming at the screaming in there. Um, yeah, I was going to say an iPod, but those don't exist anymore either. <laughs> so, <laughs> whatever they are actually listening to us on. That, yes, Julie was in blah, 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 blah. Please write us. Let us know. You will yeah. get read on the air. We Be kind. Rewind. DMP at gmail.com. We want to know that. I want to know that I'm wrong. Um. So when they go and talk to Arno, who is Cesar Romero's character, the computer pretty much looks like the Batcave from what I've, from what I remember from the old 60s Batman, Batmans. Batman? Batman? Bat? Bat Boy? Bat- <laughs> Batman movie? Batman? No, it wasn't a movie yet. TV show. Uh, let's move on. <laughs> yes. And so I'm just like, yeah, that that was the 60s. That 
They had big computers that took up sizes of rooms, and now all of that could be held in your hand. And anyway. So we find out right at the very beginning that Arno is the bad guy in the movie, which, I mean, obviously, since he's been playing the Joker for three years on Batman. He's and like a gambling operation. Yes, and his hidden room is actually hidden behind Whistler's mother. And so they transport the computer back to the college. And of course, Arno, being the fine, upstanding man that he is, decides, well, since I gave you all this $20,000 computer, you're not going to get my um, grant money that I normally give to you. So now the school is scrambling, trying to find funds to be able to pay for the plumbing that is needed in the school which is the running joke at the end of the movie. And there's some talk about the Russian five-year plan, which, of course, is talking about the space race mm-hmm. and how if they had this computer, they might have beat us to the moon. And so the head of the computer technology school, which is, I don't even remember his name. Uh, give me one moment. It's making for a great entertainment. This is... It's Quigley, I think. Yes, Quigley. He hooks up the computer, and it's in his one schoolroom, and he starts talking about a flight to Saturn that apparently had been in the works since 1940-something, because he said that it had, been, it had been worked on for 20 years prior to the actual shuttle, or not shuttle launch, the Apollo launch. And I'm just like, okay, if you're going, you just got to the moon in real time, and you're saying that y'all were already planning on going to Saturn 20 years prior to even getting to the moon? I'm not... Yeah, that doesn't track. That's putting the cart a little bit in front of the horse and then expecting for it to be able to run a 100-yard dash. Um, So they have their standardized tests that they are preparing for, And something goes wrong with the computer, and Dexter says, well, I'll run over to this other place, pick up the piece, and bring it back to y'all. And so we cut back to Dexter in his car, studying with little pieces of paper written all over his windshield, over his wipers, over every inch of his car. And he is in a pouring downpour. And this is after he, like, the teacher was like no you need to stay here and study and he's like no i'm good i know it and then we see him cramming in the car and it just looks so unsafe yes it was it was definitely not the safest way to travel and study but i gotta give him props because at least he's studying trying to pass the test Mm -hmm. and so he comes in hooks up the computer hooks up the piece that had blown And someone had left a window open, and there's like three inches of standing water. And, of course, everything goes caca there. Because he gets ready to hook it up, and the computer transmits itself into his... And you actually see the computer transmit into his brain. So, the next morning, they sit down, start taking the test, and I think they said that he finished it in four minutes and 37 seconds. Yes, and... (laughs) He was so obnoxious. Like, he flies through this test as he's turning the page. It's like the loudest page turning. And he's like opening his lunch and just making so much noise. And I even was just like, dude, stop. Well, and my thing is, when I went to college, if you finished a test, you could get up and leave. You didn't have to stay for the entire test. Yeah, I I thought um, at some point, like, if this is college, like, it seems like it's run quite a bit like a high school. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It was It was not... But even with high schools, if it was a... Well, I mean, I guess it was because it was a standardized test. That's why everybody had to stay in place until the... That's the no prize that I'm going to give this. So, after the test is done... Quigley says, well, yeah, it took him four minutes and 37 seconds. Nobody has even finished this test since is being given like and i think he's cheating right but like quickly he's like no i watched him like he he wasn't um and so how did the doctor get there they just so explain they, it 
they called in a specialist that cost twenty dollars. Oh no! <laughs> yes, it cost twenty dollars to bring in a specialist to make a house call to actually have him sit down and go through this battery of tests with him. And the first thing that they do is actually put a some kind of optoscope, optimoscope up to his eye, and you can actually see the little reel-to-reel tapes running. And I'm just like, okay, I don't remember this from the last time I watched this. But, okay, sure. This and is then, the 60s. Then we see, like... Because you're getting a look, like a literal look into his mind. Mm. Then we see a girl in a swimsuit in a convertible, which yeah. was, like seemed so out of place. But then I was like, he's an 18-year-old kid. Like, of course. Yeah, because after they peer into his eyes, somehow they hook up this gadget that projects the whatever he's thinking onto this view screen. And it starts with normal things. Well, not that anything that he saw or that thought of was normal. But then it goes to pictures of the blonde, which I think her name was Annie. And he just sits over there shrugging. He's like, hey, I'm I'm a kid. I got hormones. What do you, what yeah. do you expect out of me? I, th- I thought it was cute. Like, of course. Yeah. Um, and then, then what happens? Like, he, they realize, oh my gosh, he knows a lot. And yeah. then he gets famous super fast. Like they set up a panel so that like these other college people can ask him questions and see how smart he is. And it's during that like panel interview thing that his friends are like, Ooh, I don't like him anymore. Um, yeah. He's a nerd. I don't, I don't like him. He needs to put on some glasses and go play with well, a slide roll. And he like, at some point during that um, panel thing, uh, like, I think it's the computer talking. He's like, we've already wasted 38 seconds on applause. Can we just not do that? And they're like, oh, he's got an ego. He's full of himself, which, okay, whatever. But (laughs) then, like, just the transformation of, like, Dexter being normal to being super smart, like, we get enough explanation of that but then i felt like they could have spent a little more time on his like ascent into fame i guess but i did like how it explains it with like i guess kind of like a trope of like just instead of showing all the details or even half the details it just shows you a newspaper headline yeah like, I, I like that as an exposition tool, but I would have liked a little more um, time of him getting famous before they just, he's instantly mm. skyrocketed to fame. Yeah, and so the he's, he's pretty much realizing that he knows the answers to everything, and he will try to help you in ways that are, that you don't quite see. What you see when he's trying to help the gemologist actually cut the world's largest diamond and the gemologist basically says shoo get out of here yeah you don't know anything and he makes the wrong cut and the world's largest gem is basically shattered and then he looks back at dexter and dexter's like well tried to help you with the yeah Um... and so during all of this it comes down that they're going to have some kind of a um competition like a quiz show, quiz bowl, whatever. College knowledge. College knowledge, yes. And so the rival college in whatever state Medfield is set in calls in a football college, a college football coach to ask him about recruiting. And yeah. I was like, that is so 2020 that it's like not even funny because you you want to get the best person on your team. So who do you go to? The people that do this day in day out when the season's not going. So, um. Uh, so I liked <laughs> they. I don't think the parade was for him, but Dexter was like in a parade in New York City, and this scene made like it was. It wasn't supposed to make me laugh for the reason that it did, but like it's obviously stock footage of some other mm-hmm. parade, and then it's cutting to him hanging out of the car. 
and I don't know, that just made me laugh. It wasn't supposed to be funny in that way, but <laughs> it was, but it was cute. It's like, yeah. of course they did that. Yeah, and so all this is to set up Dexter's return back to wherever Medfield is, and he's met by Arno, he's met by the president of Medfield College, and also by Unknown State University. We're just going to call him USU. And they're all sitting, they're all trying to get him to go their way, and Dexter ends up going with Arno, which does it really ever explain why he went with him? Um, he so he like gets home and yeah, the college people are there and his friends are like, "Hey, we've missed you so much. Come spend time with us." And he's like, "Well, no, he called me yesterday and I said yes to this meeting, so I have to go." It didn't really explain it, but like it we kind of like get um the idea like Arno's going to use him because he realizes that he would be an asset in his gambling operation. Mm -hmm. And so like, it doesn't tell us then that that's what the meeting is for, but like it becomes obvious in the next scene. Yeah. Like there, Arno's just wanting to, it's like, he seems to have figured out that something's going on with him and he wants to use it to his advantage. Yeah. And so they take him to a racetrack of all places and Dexter tells Arno what horse to bet on. And obviously it's a long shot. And Arno's number one henchman's like, well, why are you taking the advice of this kid? You you don't ever bet on a long shot. And he's like, well, this kid knows more than you ever will. Mm-hmm. And of course the horse wins because, I mean, Disney. And so Arno fills up a briefcase or a, a satchel full of money don't know where he got the satchel from obviously you just carry it around for just in case you're gonna have a windfall of money and so they go to a gambling den which is one of the applejack locations mm-hmm. i think yeah i think i think that's right and then it's rated oops <laughs> yeah and it's rated and so the two college presidents get arrested um dexter gets arrested the henchman gets arrested and dexter's bail gets paid by his friends and so then he's like oh i guess i gotta go back with the guys and yeah i like that though like because he i mean the fame did go to his head and he was like kind of getting like arrogant i guess so i liked that that brought him back down um even with like even through the whole rest of the movie um while he's still got this like incredible knowledge he's like it i like that it brought him back down to earth and kept him there yeah and so they start the preparations for the college knowledge knowledge college whatever it's called i think they were calling it the college knowledge program or something like that i'm pretty sure that's right and Somehow, he's back at whatever dorm it is that they're staying at, and an air raid siren goes off, and it's the doorbell for the house. I don't remember this at all. Well, it was, it stuck with me, because I had to rewind to make sure that I wasn't hearing things, because we are in tornado season and everything like that. But yeah, the, the doorbell rings, and it's an air raid siren that's going off, and... Oh. I think it was quickly coming in to talk to him about who his two teammates were going to be. Oh, okay, yes. Okay, I'm with you now. And so they start playing and advance and advance and advance. And then the code word is Applejack, which I had no clue was actually the center of a bottle of, or the center of a pack of concentrate until I learned it on the computer work tennis shoot. Huh. Well, okay, so, like, we, the, like, sequence of words or locations or whatever that he starts to recite um, when he gets, like, triggered Mm -hmm. at the college knowledge thing, we actually heard him say earlier in the movie, like, when he first, like, that first night that Mm -hmm. he gets shocked 
or whatever, and then he's sleeping, um, and he's, like, reciting those things in his sleep, and then, like, beeps like a computer, and his roommate is like, hey, are you okay? Yeah. Um, which I didn't realize right away that, oh, yeah, we've heard this before, but um, I just want to back up a tiny bit. During one of the college knowledge things, um, the question is, like, that he has to identify these pieces of art, and um, one of them is called a new descending a staircase. And it's very <laughs> abstract. It doesn't look like it just looks like a bunch of like shapes mm-hmm. um, kind of tan. There's no nude. There's no staircase. But that's the name of the painting. And um, oh, my gosh, I couldn't believe that I heard this in a Disney movie. But like they, at the end of the contest, they go and like they're looking getting a closer look at that painting and one of the buddies is like a new descending a staircase that never would have made playboy yeah i had playboy written down but i couldn't <laughs> figure out where where it actually fit into the movie so thank you for bringing us back to these new descending a staircase yeah it was just like i almost missed that joke um but it, it caught me and i was like did they really just say that in the 1969 Disney movie. Yeah. But they did. I guess they were college boys. Yeah. College boys in the 60s. But yeah, um, they're going on and on throughout the college knowledge thing and advancing. And um, that's where my notes end, actually. So after the Applejack triggers his brain, of course, the the boys win and they advance on and Arno's like, well, we got to go get him and shut him up. Cause he's a, he's a detriment to our entire operation now. Oh yeah. Cause he like exposed their like secret gambling operation. Of course, nobody knows that that's what he's talking about, but it's enough evidence that, that Arno's concerned. Yeah. And so somehow they recorded the, what he had actually said on what it looked like an actual tape deck mm-hmm. and they brought it into the police and were showing things. And so meanwhile, Dexter's out driving around and he gets picked up and taken off by Arno's henchman. And this is where we find out that Dexter actually drives a doom buggy. I didn't see him driving it. Um, I remember seeing the dune buggy in the movie, but I, I didn't remember that he was actually driving it. Yeah, because at the very end, when Arno and his guys are are driving after him, they're actually driving his dune buggy because that's the only car that's actually still left that had tires. Okay. So somehow they figure out where Dexter's being held, and Annie leads the way to the house, which... I mean, good for you, Disney, putting a girl in the front of a rescue mission. But, I mean, what if that would have gone sideways? Yeah. Well, you're not supposed to think about that. Well, I kind of did. Oops. <laughs> so, <laughs> the, so the kids in the house figure out where he's at, and they start coming up with a plan to rescue him. And they go out, and they are the youth program for painters and they start painting the house orange not just orange we are talking Deglo orange and caesar romero's joker hair color green bright green at one point one of the baddies is like this looks like a halloween joke yeah and then they had somehow spilled a coat of yellow paint on the floor of the main entrance and um the so arno and his guys are trying to figure out how to get rid of dexter so that way he doesn't talk to the cops and ruin everything and meanwhile certain parts of his operation are getting raided because they figure out that applejack actually means aj Mm -hmm. which means arno which means bad guy um so the i like when they are like trying to like check out the painting the 
the kids that are paying the house <laughs> and they like call and the, I, I don't remember the kid's name, but he answers the phone and like verifies like, Oh yeah, they're, they're doing this for us. Like they're supposed to be there and verifies the address and everything. And then um, when Arno calls, cause he's like, Oh, you checked it out. Did you? And then he calls the number and the kid answered like a different kid answers the phone and says, Sherwood Forest, Robin Hood speaking. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that 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 was that was a I mean it was like a kid that was playing a prank on on somebody calling in. So two weeks in a two weeks in a row you've gotten your Robin Hood fix. Yeah, well, and then he's like, "Congratulations, you won the prize." And I don't remember what the prize was. I think he's like, "Would you like your sheepdog gift wrapped or something like that?" It's yeah. silly and funny. So. During all of this, while they are trying to verify that the youth program for painters is actually legit, the two of the two of the friends of Dexter are out trying to figure out where he is, and they've checked every room in the house except for one, and they hear the top baddie talking to one of his guys about getting rid of a large footlocker and this is where everything goes sideways in this movie because dexter's inside of that footlocker and he gets through a series of unfortunate events pretty much gets thrown out the window of the second story of the house and lands on his computer literally bonks his noggin bonks his noggin and you start to hear his computer start to wind down I, like, somehow was still, like, it didn't occur to me in the moment, like, oh, this is trouble. I was more worried about, like, him being trapped in this box. And meanwhile, um, a couple of the other students are, like, like, they stayed behind so that they could represent the school and the college knowledge program and, like, Mm -hmm. try to hold things down until they could get him there. Yeah. Because he and, was one of all the answers. And I think they had gotten one or two questions right during the entire time because it was 20 to some outrageous number. Yeah, it was sad. Yeah, and so a car chase ensues. Arno's in Dexter's buggy, and the kids start throwing paint at him, and he's getting hit with all these different colored well, not really all these different colors. It was the bright orange, the green, the yellow. So he pretty much had his Joker outfit on when he was trying to run into the into the college knowledge tournament. Yeah, whatever. Like like that whole chase scene. I I think I missed just a part of it. Like I got distracted for a second. But the part that I did see made me laugh. Like like I was cackling at one point because they're just like keep throwing stuff at them and like just trying to deter them and slow them down. And when they, the big stack of hay is when I really like kind of lost it. Yeah. And they were, they were basically trying to cut ballast to see if the car or the truck could actually drive any faster. Cause of course the dune buggy faster than a paint truck with 15 kids on it and 50 gallons of paint and everything. So they're just, they're chucking flimsy ladders at the, at the doom buggy and it gets run over but they make it back to the college knowledge um tournament location and they pull dexter out of the footlocker and he is walking like thorndyke from the love bug <laughs> and i'm just like okay way to reuse a joke and make me laugh two weeks in a row <laughs> well so like that's I, I think they're like, oh, no, he's been through a lot. But I don't know that they, at this point, realize how dire the situation is looking mm-hmm. until he starts answering questions. Um, yeah. And that was actually my next note is, if a mind is concussed, does your mind actually slow down like that? Like it's a top, just well, unspooling and you, you, you. Well, so, he's so, suddenly, yeah. Like, imagine like your computer is sticking, and I mean, mine does that all the time. It's yeah. kind of old. <laughs> um, so, but... so is the one that is recording this program. So, <laughs> knock on my head, it'll make it through us talking about old computers. There, um, like, 
one of the like he started he's short circuiting or whatever like I just kind of did <laughs> and, um, uh oh now my brain is broken uh they ask him a question and he's re- like actually several questions he's really struggling to get the answers out um and you can everyone seems pretty concerned and then he like kind of passes out and his head thuds like I had the closed captions on and it says thud when his head hits the table and no one's like, Oh, this kid passed out. Maybe we should stop this thing. They just keep going with their show. No, you got to play through. You got to play it as it lies. You got to play like it, play it is <laughs> to quote happy Gilmore, which I've watched this past weekend. No, <laughs> I'm sorry. You have to play it like it is. I had to play it off a of Bigfoot's foot. You have to play it where it lies. Oh my gosh. <laughs> so yeah, the, State University, it came down to State University in Medfield, of course, has all good Disney movies come down to. And State is leading by, I think, 10 points, or no, 5 points. It's close. And the final question is, what a small Midwest city is located exactly on an area designated as a geographic center of the United States? For 10,000 points, 10 points in gift, public. Now my computer's shutting down. For 10 points and $100,000, can you tell us the name of the city? I had no clue what the answer was, even having read the synopsis. The answer is Lebanon, Kansas, because Skyler actually has an uncle or somebody that actually lives there. And he's like, now I've told you about this. Don't you remember what it is? Don't you remember? And, of course, Dexter's passed out over there, so... Yeah, he's Easy. just like, I don't know anything. I'm just like I was. The magic the same as it ever was. Yeah, the magic is gone from his mind. The computer is yeah. no more. So Medfield wins as every good, true Disney film from the last 50 years have been. And there is much rejoicing. Of course, Arno and his flunkies are picked up and never to be seen again because they got taken to a dark site somewhere and... The next thing we know, we're at another staff meeting, just like the very beginning of the movie. And now they're talking about picking up an electroheliospectrogram. No clue what that is. Sounds dangerous. I'm not because, smart enough for all that. Because Annie basically tells Dexter to stay away from it. Obviously, they've gotten closer during this time since, the, since he lost his smartness. And she's like, you stay away from that. Okay. And... That's your fade to black moment. I'm like, I thought it was a cute ending because she's like, don't let that happen again. Yeah, it 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 was a it was a cute ending, but would have liked to see him turn back and wink or something like that. Like, oh, yeah, right. yeah. like I'm going to do that. That would have been fun. Yeah, and it possibly would have set up a sequel, which there are several sequels in Medford starring Kurt Russell. So, um, I have a couple notes um first things first like i think they're like listing at some point during the first staff meeting at the very beginning of the movie they were listing off some students i don't like maybe because they're in that class or um, maybe they were considering them for the college knowledge thing i don't remember but um as they're reading off this list of names one of the names is keith richards um, which jumped out at me. It was like, wait, that? how did, how did I miss Keith Richards? I don't know. Like it was just like a string of like random names. And then of course, Dexter Riley is in there somewhere. And what's like Skyler, whatever his name is. But mm-hmm. Keith Richards was on that list, which um, they probably, I don't, I guess it was in that time. So like the Rolling Stones were already a thing. So it's like, maybe it was mm-hmm. on purpose, but it, it caught my attention and I kind of laughed about that. Um, the other thing that I was thinking, it's like, there's kind of like this really minor unresolved side plot of like the rivalry between Medfield and um, the state college university, whatever. USU, where, the unnamed yeah, state university. The Dean is like, Oh, they just get all these tax dollars. They have so much money. And like, that's not really how it works um, now anyways. Like private schools have mm-hmm. all the money and public universities are facing 
tons and tons of cuds. So um, I don't know, that kind of made me laugh that the, the dean of this private college was so jealous of this public university that was getting tax dollars because hmm. it's usually the other way around. Mm-hmm. Uh, let me see. I think I've got I've gone over all of mine. My one question is, who picked out the paint for that house? Was that just what was laying around at the college? It and then ha- where did where do they get the paint truck too? I don't know. Another... But like that had to have just been random selection. But <laughs> I did think it was funny, like as they're painting that um he's like, No, he like one of the one that's supposed to be in charge, like starts getting another one in trouble because he's like, You're not supposed to paint the house orange. The house is green. The gym is orange. Like, what does it matter? It was going to be the ugliest house in the world when they were finished with it yeah. anyways. If they finished it. Which, of course, they had no intention of finishing yeah. it. They were just there to get Dexter. Yeah. All right. Well, let's go ahead and head to the three M- 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 important questions. First one. What is today's <laughs> impact on the movie? Um, like if they were going to make this or something like it now, uh, I mean, computers are, he'd have to like absorb the computer knowledge through a phone or something or get Uh like an iOS somehow, um, integrated into his brain. (laughs) Well, now they actually did have, they actually did remake this in 95 starring Kirk Cameron. Oh, I don't want to watch that. It is well, your civic even... responsibility as a Disney movie reviewer. <laughs> <laughs> but, like, 1995 is old now. Oh, I don't like to say that because it doesn't <laughs> seem right. But ooh. Yeah, it was just what? Five? Oh, God. Yeah. I you... was a sophomore in college in 1995. I was, uh, I turned 12 that year. Okay, we're going to move on. <laughs> I'm oh I'm so sorry. I'm not young either. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I could I could see since this is the age of remakes, reboot, something like that, it would probably be my cell phone wore tennis shoes or something like that. Because you have so much knowledge on your phone mm-hmm. that or or it would be uh oh. Oh, I know Continue your thought. We can come back to this. Okay. The, or maybe he was helping with Big Blue, which is the computer that Watson is based on, which literally has, like, so much knowledge that it can beat several com- several Grand Wizards in chess at the same time. And it beat Ken Jennings and um, Brad Rutter in the Ultimate Jeopardy Challenge. Yeah. So, I now I kind of want a... 2025 remake of this movie of course by the time the movie comes out technology would have advanced far past what it was when they make it um the reason that you saw my face like kind of change is because i clicked on the wikipedia article for the 1995 remake and dean jones plays um like the dean of the college or whatever in the remake so now where i was now we have to watch it yeah, now like I have to. It's Dean Jones. I love him. And Andrew McCarthy's. No, not Andrew McCarthy. Wait, I'm sorry. Scratch that. <laughs> yeah. Oh, Larry Miller too. I love him. Okay. I'm not a big Kirk Cameron fan, but um, <laughs> I now I want to watch this just for Dean Jones and Larry Miller. Well, we will get to it as long as it is on Disney Plus in about. 12 years. So that's acceptable. Okay. Oh my gosh. I just, I, my birthday is in two months and I'm thinking like, Oh, in 12 years, I'll be like 50. In 12 years, I'll be almost 60. Shh, we're not supposed to think yeah. about that. <laughs> Back in my day, you didn't have an iPhone. You had to carry this big bulky block that had a little flip. Shh, that's what my dad sounds like now and he's 60. <laughs> hey. All right. Um, is this mirrored in culture? Not really. 
I mean, we do have the national treasure, Kurt Russell, but he's yeah. moved on to playing Santa Claus. Yeah, I'm. I think now, like, I want to watch all the Kurt Russell movies, which I guess <sighs> we will watch a lot of them, ten years worth at least, on this podcast. But um, yeah, now I'm like, okay, I've I've been sleeping on this. I should probably just try it. Yeah, I can I can almost guarantee that you will not fall asleep watching Tombstone. Is it like? It's a Western. Right. Is there, I guess that means there's like gunshots and blood yes. and stuff. I have to watch through my fingers. <sighs> no, it's, it's, it's good. It's got a uh, Sam Elliott, Val Kilmer, uh, Bill Paxton. Oh, I love Bill Paxton. So there you go. Yeah. All right. So last and final question. How does this fit into today's society? Pretty much it doesn't because it's dated, but it's good can't be fun and you can waste an hour and a half and go on feeling good about your life that somebody's actually got a crazy idea like this yeah i thought like it probably was even campy for that time like it seems like they made it campy with like kind of a wink and a nod Mm -hmm. and um it is fun i mean i i would watch i'm i'm going to watch this again i don't know that (laughs) i can get my kid to watch it with me but um i enjoyed it enough that i'll definitely watch it again no you just you just need to sit her down for the part where it's where they're showing his brain actually on the screen (laughs) and see what she thinks about that uh well okay so like that special effect part was a little like (laughs) silly but i mean you have to remember what year it was when they made this It was um, it was a little bit better than the apparition of Blackbeard and Blackbeard's ghost. So like yeah. they made a little bit of advancement in like the year or whatever between those movies getting made. Yeah. Well, do you have anything further to add before we reveal what we are planning for episode 100? Hmm. No, I see why Kurt Russell became Disney's big star. Because, like, he's an adorable, cutie little kid in this movie. And, like, of course he became a star. Yes. All right. Well, this is episode 99, which, of course, basic math, which I know math is hard, means the next episode is episode 100. We have a couple of things that we are have been shooting around. The first one is we are actually going to do our first repeat viewing of a movie because we ha- we are in talks with a B-movie legend who is known from Manos, the Hands of God. Her name, let me get back to this, is... Bear with me here. It's making for great radio. I'll just cut it in post. Yeah, true. Uh, we, we are getting... Where is it? There it is. We are getting Jackie Naaman Jones. She was known mainly for Manos, The Hands of Fate, which you can actually watch on Mystery Science Theater 3000, and I will be doing that to prepare for the movie. And we are actually going to recover the 1960 movie, Swiss Family Robinson. I've never seen that, so I'm excited to get to talk about that, even though you already have. Well, I'll be able to watch it with fresh eyes, having watched it, and we'll actually be, we'll actually have just released the throwback episodes, so that way people can listen to me and Icky talk about it. And then we are also going to do our top five, bottom five, most favorite, least favorite movies that we have gone through. And this is where we are reaching out to you, the listeners. You can send us the email with your top five movies. Out of the first 30, 20, 22 years that we have been doing, as well as your five least favorite, to BeKindRewindDMP at gmail.com, and we will read them while we are on we are, while we are doing this episode. And then Kyra, myself, and we are hoping Icky will be back off of his assignment, and we will all break down our top five and... Bottom five least favorites, and I think I know what Kyra's number one least favorite. Actually, no, I don't, because mm. we actually have had a couple of zingers <laughs> in the last couple of months. 
Um, yeah, I think I, I lost count, but I think that either this episode or maybe the the one of the last couple is like my 15th. So I actually have enough movies covered now to pick a top five and bottom five. <laughs> so, yes, that is your homework. We will be back next week with episode 100. And there was much rejoicing. Yay. But Sorry, I wasn't ready to like, add sound effects. <laughs> hey, sound effects are fun, especially when they're made by people. But until we speak again, stay safe, stay hungry, and stay away from that electrohelio spectrogram. I knew it. <laughs> Y'all have a good night. And we'll see you next week. Thank you for listening. You can send us feedback at BeKindRewindDMP at gmail.com. We welcome any kind of feedback, and it might get read on the air in a future podcast. Once again, the email address is BeKindRewindDMP at gmail.com. If you have a moment, please rate and review our podcast on whatever streaming service you are listening to us on. This and word of mouth are the two ways to help us reach a larger audience. Thank you in advance for doing this. Thank you again for listening, and we hope you have a great day. Goodbye. Greetings, Earthlings. We are now taking over your radio. And we're back. Yes. Right. I don't know where Dan is, but we're back. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>